Hello. Good morning. I'm very excited to be continuing our study through Hebrews, especially these these uh, these next couple chapters in chapter 10 and some of the other passages I'll be teaching through later in the next coming weeks. Um, it's almost as if everything that he's been talking about is coming to its climax. And he's, he's telling us, this is what you should do with this. This is how you should live in light of this. Um, and that's really exciting. I think a lot of times um, some people will dog on theology. They'll kind of say, oh, well, I don't need theology. It doesn't really do much. I just want to love Jesus. I just want to live better without realizing that they're, they're making a false dichotomy. Um, theology isn't um, opposed to correct living in the Christian life. I would say theology is, in fact, the fuel for living the correct Christian life. And so what we're going to see today is that the author of Hebrews, he takes everything that we've been learning, everything that has, he's been talk, talking about, and he turns and he's starting to apply it. And this is really an example for what we should do whenever we read the Bible. Whenever we read something theological, whenever we're, we read a narrative or something like that, we should, we should be able to see, okay, what is God saying about himself or about man? And we should be able to say, how does this relate to me today? And, and this, the author in Hebrews really gives us a good way in order to do that. He gives us a really good example. And that's kind of what we're going to, to look at today. And so... Um, Let's read Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and then uh, I'll pray and we'll get started. It says this, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who pr promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the day more, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for all that you have taught us in the study of Hebrews. How you've showed us your plan of salvation and how it is better than anything that has come before. Help us to not just know these realities, but really live these realities, uh, to, to know what we can do with these things. Now that we have this knowledge, how should we live? Help this conversation and the imperatives that the author gives us here today to actually seep into us and actually cause us to live a life of faith. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, so like I already kind of prefaced, he is trying to teach us to do something. Um, and this, is, this isn't really apparent in, in this little section, but in this overall section of chapter 10, it becomes a little bit more clear that he's trying to encourage his readers to persevere. That's all that this letter has been about, right? He's trying to keep them from turning away from Jesus, and he's trying to 
have them to persevere in the faith that's been given to them already. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but just to kind of show you where this at and very close to, to our passage today in, in uh, Hebrews 10, 36, he says, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so really these imperatives are to motivate them to persevere. It is to get them to continue to run the race that, that they have started. Um, and so that's kind of how we're going to view these, these imperatives, what the, what the author calls them to do today. And so let me ask a question. What are the three things in these verses that the author asks us to do? Where do you see that? 19, for brothers, since we have confidence that ensure the holy places by the blood of Jesus. To have confidence. Draw near. Yeah. Draw near. Hold fast. Hold fast. Stir one another. Yeah. Those are the three things. It does let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider how to stir up one another. But only because we're anchored in confidence and image. Yes, now let me ask the question. What are the two reasons that he gives us for why we should do those three things? Key word is sense, right? Yeah. Right? Because we have a great high priest. We have a great high priest? We have a confidence, right? So I want I want I want I want you guys to see this, right? We have two reasons. We have three things we ought to do. Those two reasons have to do with the things that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. They're the anchor. They're the theology. They're the they're the thing that they that uh, the author has been teaching us. And then the three things are the application of those reasons. Does that make sense? And we see that because he says, since we have confidence, and since we have a great high priest, that word since, because, you know, it's giving us the reason for why we're doing those things. And so somebody tell me about the confidence we have. What is this confidence? If this is the reason we're talking about, and we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. What's the confidence that we have? If this is the reason, this is really important. Sacrifice of Christ. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. The, the reason that we have a confidence, right, is because of Christ's one-time sacrifice. Um, yeah, go ahead. Not only the fact that it was one time, but that it was a better sacrifice. Mm. Offered in a better temple or a better tabernacle. Uh, the whole thing is just that. It's good. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. Yeah. It's it's sufficient to do the job. Yeah. There's everything else that not able to do the Yeah. Yeah. And we actually talked about this last week, did we not? Um, somebody read for me Hebrews ten eleven through twelve. Every 
and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down <clears throat> sat down at the right hand of God. Yeah. A single sufficient sacrifice. That is one of the reasons why we can do the things that we can. Because his sacrifice is sufficient. And that's going to be important for some of the things that we're going to say in a little bit. But that's the reason that we have confidence. You notice that? Not anything else, but because of Christ's single sacrifice. And this the sacrifice allows us to do something. What does the verse tell, tell us that we can do um, since we have this confidence? What, what, the confidence is to do what? It's to... Get, yeah. What does that mean? What does it mean to enter the holy places? We have direct communication. Yes. We have access to God, right? Because before, in the temple, that was not something that everybody had access accessibility to, right? Not everybody could just go to the holy place, let alone the, the most holy place. They had to go through a priest. And we still go through a priest, but that but through that priest we have direct access to God, right? And that's kind of the the reference that it's talking about through the curtain as well, right? The curtain that separated the the holy place from the most holy place. Through Jesus' death and his priesthood, right, that's, we now have access to, to, to God. We no longer are separated from him. I don't know if there's a theological term for this, but uh, the, the difference is like the, a closed mediation versus an open mediation. Like for the priest, that, like people don't have to do with the priest and the priest that right? mm-hmm. got or Christ, like Christ, but in that we're also welcome. Yeah. In that process, it's not just yeah, no. And that's a helpful distinction. I don't know if there's a theological term for that either. Yeah. Yeah, but he's talking about the type of mediation is, is different. The access is more direct and more open. And I think that's true. Yeah, right. that's helpful. The word mediation actually just means what is in between. Something that mediates. So like immediate, something immediate has nothing in between us and God. So now Christ at the right hand of God, there is no earthly thing that has to be done if we can go directly to the front. So we have immediate access mm-hmm. to God, whereas before it was a mediated access to God. Now, I know that's probably not the theological term you're looking for, but I don't know it No, but I think we're yeah. immediate means without mediation. So right now, Christ is at the right hand of the Father, he, he himself is God, the judge. And the intercessor and all these other things they have to do. And so he is we have immediate access to God, whereas before it was immediate access. That's why Catholics Catholics just wanted to keep that they still have that mediated access. They have priests, they have confession, they have all of these things to give them access to God. The standing giving them to God. But now we have 
Christ at the right hand of the Father. What's the second reason that that uh, the author gives us for for to do for doing all these things? Sorry, that was not formed well. Uh, we talked about the first reason just now. First reason we have, um, the first reasoning that we have to do all these things that he like, tells us to do these things. He gives us another reason. What's that second reason that he tells us to do all these things? For high priest. Um, what? What? Explain to me the difference of why Jesus is the better high priest. We've been talking about that for a long time, but it's... It's helpful to remember, how is Jesus a better priest than what we've seen before? Mm, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Jesus said himself, he said it was finished after death. It was the finish of sacrifices and it was the finish of Mm. Anybody have any other thoughts you want to add to that? Those are both really good reasons. It's also just the fullness of the office he's filling. It's not just the priesthood. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And the, the fact that as, as the right <laughs> the earthly priests, because they had their own sin, mm-hmm. also were suffering. Yes. Whereas this one lives forever. To give an eternal priest. Mm. No one needs to succeed. He's an eternal, um, sufficient is another another good word again. Um, pure priest, as opposed to the <laughs> the dying, <laughs> unsufficient, <laughs> yeah, flawed, dirty priest, <laughs> sinful priest that we have before, right? So he's a better. Greater high priest. And and one verse this reminds me of um, that just gives you so much confidence is first John two, one, and it says this My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He intercedes, he he proceeds, he 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 mediates that relationship. Um between us and God, and that gives us direct access to him. And this is the underlying reason for all the things that we have to do. So if you try to do any of the things that the author is telling you to do outside of these reasons, then you're really setting yourselves up for failure, Failure, right? You can't start. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is the foundation. Can you draw near to God? Like the question is, can you draw near to God if you don't have and advocate. Hmm. The answer is no. Yeah. Can you draw? Can you hold fast? Mm-hmm. No. You can't start. I mean, That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. And so these these things are the foundation for what for what we're about, we're about to see that we're, we're called to do. And so let's just go into those those three different things and um and just talk about them. He says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There's a lot of encouraging things in that verse, and I, I love all, all three of these, these little sections. But um, first I want to ask the question, what does it mean to draw near? What is, what is being under, what are they talking about when they say draw near? Have we seen that language before in the book of Hebrews? I think I remember that there's an intimacy with draw near to someone, whether mm -hmm. it's close friendships or marriages or kids, like you're bringing somebody near to you or you're being drawn to them. Same way with God. The more you're in the world, the more you're praying, the more you're communicating, the more you're, you know, just striving after him. He, you're being pulled near him. He will be pulled near you. Mm. The intimacy. Mm. How does one draw near? If you if you pray, you will draw near. But I want to say that it's um, if you pray according to the will of God, you will draw near and you become more like a son. There's a little bit of nuance there, but um, it's not an incantation. A lot of people read the Bible and are straight out of pages. A lot of them taught me in college. So don't 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 be mistaken. A lot of people can know a lot of things in the Bible and not yet be a Christian and yet not be near to God. Mm -hmm. So they need a heart change. Mm -hmm. Like they've been talking about being 10 and 8 and they're rare for the place of the Bible. Yeah, I love both of those answers. I love the, the fact that there's an, you're intentional about drawing there, right? It's a, you don't passively draw near to someone, <laughs> right? If I, if I want to be closer friends with Justin, I, I need to put some effort in, right? I need to text him and say, hey, how you doing, man? I need to call him and say, hey, let's spend some time together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's ask each other some, some questions. Let's have a conversation. Let me, let me draw near. Let me know you, know you better. And I think a way in which we do that, yeah, is, is reading our Bibles, right? If, if, we, if we were to think, how do I know who God is? right? How do I know more of who his character is? How do I learn about who he is? It's, it's kind of obvious the answer, right? We need to read his word and what she's told us who he is, right? Is it, we need to think about what he's saying to us. We need to meditate on it. We need to say, okay, what does it mean that he, that he is just? How is that 
how is that different from what I think justice is? How is his, how is his ways more, um, better than my ways? What is he, how has he showed me that he's just throughout the Bible? I need to think about that because that's how I know more of who he is. You see? And then we have prayer, right? It is the way in which we talk to God. If we're talking about immediate access, right? We have a direct pipeline to God our Father through prayer because of Christ's work, right? So then the question, the natural question that we, we have to have is, what stops us from drawing near? What, what gets in the way of us from drawing near to, to God? A lot, lot, of, lot of answers. Let's, let's, let's go. Sin, pride. Uh, what is it? Laziness. Self-confidence. Ooh. Unbelief. I think I think this list of things here, if you just look at their negative, look at mm-hmm. them negatively, it, it's the things that keep us back. Yeah. The unbelief, the full assurance of faith, mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience is the guilt. Oh, oh I, I, I've sinned in this way. Mm. God's not going to want to hear from me for a while. He's got to get over it or something. Mm-hmm. No, no. Understand that we're sprinkled mm. you know, from an evil conscience. The, the, the list is a beautiful summation of what's been said here around us. Mm. Yeah, it is. Because I think often when we draw near, do you guys, when you draw near to God, when you're reading your Bible, uh, when you pray, do you f- do you have full assurance? Do you have confidence? Or yes. Intellectual, I have full confidence. Mm. That's where that meditation comes in. Yeah. yeah. Meditation helps you grow with others. Synchronize the, the truth and the word. Mm-hmm. It's not like two things are synchronized. God's not changing. God's not True, all right, but getting us in line with that. There's all of Psalm 73 kind of speaks mm-hmm. to this whole conversation. The last verse, verse 28 says, But for me, it is good to be near, to be near God. Mm-hmm. I have made the Lord, my, Lord God, my refuge, that I may tell of all your good works. Mm-hmm. So, getting synchronized, but praying, reading the word, but then in that process, speaking, and we've got that, that full assurance that we are now. Professing the same thing that we're reading and hearing, right? Mm. And yeah, I completely agree with that. There's so much. There's so much truth in the fact that yeah, we need these things that we're talking about. They're all there together. It's not one thing or another. It's it's all of them together. It helps with all of that. Um, I actually had a conversation with a, a coworker a few weeks ago, and it was kind of eye opening to me. Um, she. Um, is coming, you know, out of, came out of the Catholic Church and was reading the Bible for herself. And she saw that, you know, the Catholic Church really did not emphasize um, the grace that, you know, the Bible gives us. Um, but at the same time, she was, she was tripped up on something. Uh, and I think I asked her the question, that if you, if you were to, to, if God were to ask you why he should let you into heaven, what would you say? And she would, she said that she would, she just would say that she shouldn't be allowed into heaven. And that was 
That was kind of it, baseline. And I asked her about that, and she explained that it's because she doesn't want to take anything uh, for granted. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to overassume and think that you know she's going to be saved because of of her her sinfulness and her, her life and such. And and I think that's kind of like again the, an aspect of the negative side of this. Um, one thing we got to realize is it's it's not humble to say. Jesus can't save me because of my sin, right? There's a reason that we have, yeah, and there's a reason that we have full assurance, right? Because the assurance does not um, reside in ourselves. It's in the reasons that we just talked about before, right? We have the confidence because of Jesus's perfection and the fact that Jesus is sufficient. And so what that looks like is, when we draw near, we should have full assurance, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, right? So there's, it's not just that we draw near, it's that we draw near in this, in this way, in this way where we have full assurance, where we're fully confident, where we're fully, um, uh, we fully know that we are being made pure. We are being sanctified. And it says this in, in verse 10, Hebrews 10, it says, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so if, you, if, you, if you're struggling with, with those things, reading your Bible, meditating, prayer, well, one, you, you should draw near, not just because of the fact you're supposed to do it, but because that's the way in which God know that we know God, but also don't do it in a way in which you are nervous or doubting. No, you should have full confidence because of who Christ is. Yeah. One more answer. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and it's don't put the Lord your God to the test. Mm. That if I read your word and mm. pray, you will accept me. Yeah, well, this, get, is not, this is not an, like I said, an incantation. Mm-hmm. You, you, and it's not just a, a process. It's it's a like a mechanical process. It is a lifelong and um, striving after God. Like Jose said, it's not something that happens overnight. Mm-hmm. It's not, I do it one time, feel better. Mm-hmm. It's not any of those things. It is a continually... That's a continual process of progressive sanctification, mm. not something that happens right away. Mm. But uh, and do not put the word of your God to the test. You'll find the opposite side of it, um, really. Mm. So. And it's, you know, for me, uh, being in the military, it was always when God took me to deployments or took me, put me in situations where all I had was him. Mm. That that of uh, knowing, okay, well, in this moment, God, you're it. Like I, you, I need you right now to get through this to do what you called me to do, to be the witness. Where you, I mean, if you said I'm gonna go all this appointment. I kind of looked at it, it was like, okay, well, this is a missed opportunity for wherever you put me. Let me draw near you. So, um, in those moments, all I had was to rely on him. And all of that transferred into being in the scripture, being around the chaplains or being around people who breathe life into you as well, right? Mm-hmm. Put you on that path and run scripture with you and stuff. And I found in those moments, 
those were deeper than because right, you took me away from all the noise, took me away from all the like and all I had. So in my journey with him, drawing care is in those moments when chaos reigns. I draw near him, and I know he's right there. And it may it may not be the best picture, it may not be, but he's right there. And I have this peace, and I have this calmness, and it's like, okay, we got like I've got this, you've got this. Like I just need to focus on what you've given me at hand. But the, I I always knew the word was sweeter in mm. those moments where I no longer had control, yeah. and I was just plucked somewhere that I had to rely on. But yeah. I had the foundation, and I yeah. think that's the biggest thing is that foundation is key, so that you know, oh, chaos is coming. I'm in the middle of it. I need to be right there, right there, and just see what you get. Yeah, conflict definitely pushes us to move towards towards God. That's good. Yeah. Is there a way you could like say that when you would say that to a kid? Freaking Ned literally said in the car and I want to hear that he's asking me questions and he said, God, Jesus didn't back up my thing. I was like, I think like put it in a way mm. that it wouldn't be over his head. Yeah. Like mm. I said, you're calling him a liar. You know, I was trying to explain it to him, but yeah. I don't think he died. Hmm. The floor. Anybody have any thoughts? I have some immediate thoughts, but as a as a every time you lie, every time you're angry at somebody, every time you call somebody stupid, like all the things you point out, it's like those are sins. Those are sins. Yeah, and that's a good, I, I like that a lot because my first my first thought was, well, have you ever been? Have you don't you remember that little tirade you had a few days ago? <laughs> that was a sin. <laughs> that's that's kind of where my mind went too. Other thoughts, yeah. Uh, I think something that needs to be added for this, um, particularly for parent for parents, plans of weeks, is that we have to realize that our kids are not actually in set like the status of salvation. Yeah. Like they are not saved. So um, if Ned, since we're at you know, or to come to me and say. Daddy trusted the die on my sin. My answer would probably be actually, if you believe that Jesus took away, can take away your sins and be the Lord of your life, then yes, he died for your sins. Yeah, I kind of said, I see the He died for your sins as you are right now. You're right. You're not a part of it. You're not his child. You are yet to be saved. But if you believe in him, he did save you from your sins and he will save you from your sins. And that is where the assurance comes in. I, I said to him, you need to believe in Jesus yes. to save you from your sins. Excellent. Because you want to get You don't want to get assurance. That's good. The two part thing is one is getting to realize they have sin. Yeah. Because when we think about you know, as a kid, we think about all the horrible things that happen out there. Like, oh, those are bad things. Mm -hmm. They killed somebody. They stole something. Mm. But I didn't do anything. I didn't do that, so. Did you like all the videos? Those are sins, but guess what? You're sinning. And you need the same. And you need to see that. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, I think that's that's where the desire for your children comes to a head, right there. Is, uh, especially for, um, as, a, as a pastor, we're looking for evidence of salvation in anybody, but particularly younger children. Do you realize that your sin? Is needs, needs, needs a remedy, 
right? And that Jesus is that remedy, right? That your sin doesn't just, you know, not keep you from going to heaven, but that it needs to be completely cured by And so that's kind of the line. Like, so younger kids who profess Christ early, we're, we're always listening for sin. Like, my sin needs to be dealt with, and Christ deals with my sin and can take my sin by mm-hmm. himself. Um, and, and that's because you don't want to give it, like, again, that false assurance of faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, because you, you see it really gets you, get you squishy. Uh, too quickly, it's because man, I don't know how am I baby in the kingdom. No, I mean, let's be honest, we all in our lady in the kingdom. It's not that um, cut and dry though, that for me to a month in there, it's that they themselves must believe that they need the savior because their sin separate them from the love of God and that Christ can save them completely. Um, that's the line. That's the age for they. they they don't understand. <clears throat> they can't conceptualize what you're right. You know, that's kind of your request. You, yeah, you're just you're just continually planting the seeds. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important too to teach a concept that kind of gets borderline. And that is this there the, those things, the lying and the calling people stupid and whatnot, are sins, but the root is sin. In the nature, yeah, your heart is your heart is sinful. The fruit is what comes out, and one of the ways I have, I don't know about I, I don't know that I've tried to do this with a kid, but I've tried to explain it to people through the words of Christ when I said that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself is the second, and I and I. I said, it, it logically follows that if that is the greatest commandment, then the failure to do that is the greatest sin. And so by nature, we do not love God. We're our neighbors. 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 we there has to be a moment where they they can understand that. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty safe to them. Still pretty to them. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, I mean, the age of accountability. Yeah, accountability. Yeah. I mean, when you, I mean, uh, actually, I don't think there's any age of accountability. I think the Lord saves His children, and when He saves His children, that's right. So you could be accountable as a baby in the womb and be a worker. Does that make sense? And he could say, "Oh, yes." So, yeah, but there's no conscience. His children aren't children. Yeah, there's no conscious of the baby. That age of accountability assumes that there's like right. age fourteen. You are accountable. Well, well, well no, 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 that's no. not what I said. All right, something in the something in the kid makes that connection. Like the spirit itself changes the heart. Right. You're right. Exactly. Yes. Babies typically aren't. Oh, and that's what's probably what I'm going to feel about that. Right, right. And that's what she's saying. I, I say accountability is there's just a language where, where all the conversations and all the realization happen. And you can be like, oh, I got this. Now what do you do with it? You're here. Yeah. Now you have all the information. You're making connections. Like, I don't expect it. 
before my five-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To exactly. make that connection. However, it doesn't mean that it's outside the realm of possibility. Correct. Right? Yeah. It's not what he wants. And he belongs where he pleases. True. And so, it doesn't yeah. matter. But there should be a discernment on the yeah. Lydia, what were you going to say? I think that I don't have this anymore. I truly have have to be constantly presenting with the truth. Okay, yeah. And loving and, uh, like, I would never want to say to my three-year-old, six-year-old, yes. you're a sinner. Like, oh, Jesus hates sin, and you are a sinner. And you must yeah. be trusting Christ, like, to present the gospel in a way that they now hear Christ. Yeah, it's good. And so I would just say, I mean, of course, good to go you, but my children must repent and believe yeah. in the Yeah. Salvation. But I would also be very worried for myself to turn my children when they with fear. Fear. Like fear, yeah, like fear. There. But there's still a lot of Christ. Like, yeah. This is your son. This just hate your, your sister. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the sin is only a means by which they can see grace more fully. And fear of God is not equivalent to love for God. And the sense of terror of God, anxiety of God, that is not equivalent to love for God. And there's a great um, work called um, What If an Unholy Man uh, Came to Heaven, essentially. I can't remember who it's from. But in that, he argues that you know somebody who doesn't like who God is is not going to like heaven. And so you can't just be afraid of who God is. You're not just, God is not a get out of jail free card. He is a Lord, a savior, a person, and he calls for a life, right? And we are not just calling people to turn away from their sin in the sense of just escape punishment. No, we're calling them to experience eternal life, to experience living waters. And that's that's a very helpful distinction. And so, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't, even in that conversation as we're having it with kids, we shouldn't just make them fearful of sin. We should encourage them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, just to clarify, I don't, that's not what I'm about. It's just a matter of, we, we often say, you're a sinner and Jesus died for your sin. Mm-hmm. And we just don't want to be, we want to be a little more careful. For sure. We, we want to watch our world. A lot of friends, I can, I can name upwards of 20 to 30, probably, more than that, who has all walked away from the faith but never had it in the first place. Mm-hmm. A lot of it had to do with the fact that they were told that their sins were forgiven. Yeah. And yeah, and that's a very big danger that I don't, like when I'm presenting the gospel or I'm evangelizing somebody, I never want to say, now you are a Christian. You know what I mean? That's First of all, that's not my decision. And second of all, um, there, there are evidences of that and you need to constantly be questioning yourself. Paul even tells us to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Right, so if I'm if I'm going to test myself, I'm definitely not going to tell you that you're just you're just done. No, uh, you know what I mean. I want to be questioning them in an argument. What did you say, God? Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah, and with that, let's move on to that. <laughs> the next next one. Yeah.
Yeah, maybe maybe we'll get through one more. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Um, What are we holding fast to? Come, you may kind of put in the gospel. Yeah. The actual gospel. Yeah, we're holding fast to the doc. Down here, that he's got mercy. He doesn't follow those things. We don't have to. We don't have to say anything. We just have to talk. Mm-hmm. Tell them to live by example. So, that's our responsibility. So, maybe in that situation, they'll be there. You plant and how much you care. You plant the sunflower, the watering, and the Let's remember what I said at the beginning. This is the, the, the foundation of this, again, is to have them to persevere. Right. This is to encourage them to persevere. So we see how drawing near. Yeah, right. They're already Christians. And here's the thing. Experiencing God, knowing God more, drawing near to him, being in prayer, being in the word. That is going to help you to persevere and live the Christian life. Hands down. Actually, if you're not doing that, I don't know how you're going to endure the Christian life. Just flat out. If you're not in his word, if you're not praying, it makes it difficult. And that's not to say that it isn't possible. It's not to say, again, if you don't read your Bible, you should be crying every night or something like that. No, that's not what we're saying. It's not, that's not a legalistic thing. But I am saying that if you read your Bible, if you experience prayer, if you meditate, then you are going to naturally be empowered and encouraged as the spirit works through that. Okay. And so that's a, that's a good thing and something we should seek after. Um, So again, sorry, but Holding fast to our confession. Um, and, and that holding fast is in the dark times as much as it is in the light times. Mm. When, when you're spiraling down and things in your life, your family's life, and he's just around you, or there's all kinds of chaos and un- just bad things, whatnot, is, are you still holding fast? Are you still in that, God, you have this? I'm not sure exactly what you're doing at this point in time, but I'm just going to keep the faith and I'm going to just keep moving towards you. And I know you're going to pull me out or pull us out or whatever the situation is. And I'm going to be able to see what you did in this moment in time. And I think that's important because some, well, some of the, some of the people I know, they tend to lose faith in those, those things. I'm like, wait, you haven't got, you are a believer. Why are you losing faith? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and so it's that whole, yes, the world around you is crashing or whatever is going on. There's a lot of down, there's a lot of bad things going on, but where is your faith? And I think that's, to me, that when I hear hold fast, I think, especially when chaos is all around, are you still holding fast? Are you still believing the gospel? Are you still believing that God is good and He's doing something we just don't? know in that moment what what and it's usually on the other side like you can go oh mm. that's what he was doing and make it a, usually turn into a beautiful testimony for others to hear what's going on and what happened and how did you come out still believing and not walk away we will we will we can hold fast because yeah. not our own actions are our own because of his Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of our own wanting, we only have some work to try and hold fast on him because of his goodness. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, yes. I, I love that. I love that. Here's here's some verses in Hebrews to, to back up that point. Because he's already, again, he the author is just restating things right here. He's just bringing it out for you. He's putting it in one section so that you can see it. And so, and, and Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, he's talking about Abraham um, and the promises that were made to him. He says this, Hebrews 6, 18. So by that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for, for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters in into the, the inner place between the curtain. Notice how that hope is doing something. Notice how that hope is personified because the hope is a person. Peter tells us that we have a living hope, as in the hope is this. The, the hope is that we have a person. We have Jesus, the high priest, the one who is a sufficient sacrifice, who enters into the cur- curtain, who makes it, uh, who intercedes for us and makes us have access to God. And that's why we do hold fast, not because of our strength. We hold fast because he holds fast to us. He is faithful to uh, achieve his promises. And so, yes, he will hold me fast, right? For my Savior loves me so. Yes. When I fear the tempter will prevail, Christ will hold me fast. There's a reason why I say, yeah, over and over. And so, how do we? And just summing up this one, because I can finish this one today. <laughs> we hold fast by kind of doing what Sharon was telling us by remembering who God is, by reminding ourselves of the, of the gospel, by what we'll see in twenty four and twenty five next week of encouraging one another, by reading the word, by being in prayer, by doing all these things, right? So if we want to hold fast, we do that by drawing near. We do that by encouraging one another. There's a lot of ways in which we hold fast. But we are called to hold fast. We should strive to do it. It's not something, again, not something passive. I mean, Christ does hold us. But at the same time, we do have to do something. We do need to draw near. And we do need to to strive to actually hold fast, to encourage ourselves in the word, to remind ourselves of his his goodness and truth. And we'll talk about this more next week. There's, There's one more imperative that we have to get through. Um, and you guys made some great points. I'm really excited to continue that conversation next week, but until then, we're about to worship, so prepare yourselves for worship.